0: I'm John Feldman, and I'm Andrew Smith, and this is The Rally Call, and we're live. Welcome to The Rally Call. Our special guest today is Werner Schmidt, who is the CEO and co-founder at Latif. Werner has been in the tech industry since 2001 and is based in Dublin, Ireland. Welcome, Werner.
1: Hi, Andrew, and thanks for having me on.
2: So the purpose of today's episode is we're going to talk a little bit about what we call here ethical hiring. Now, one of the things that spurred the Rally Call podcast in the first place was to make sure that we're highlighting one of the issues that we see in the industry, and that is the over hiring of salespeople and putting them in positions where unfortunately they're not set up for success. And through my network and through our travels, I was introduced to Werner from a friend of mine named Ross Paul. And Werner is a super experienced uh, former SVP of sales operations who now is the CEO of a technology company and the goal of that technology company is to stop that problem from happening dead in its tracks so Werner maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience as a uh, as a senior VP of operations and maybe some um, relevant job experience to share with uh, with the listeners and, and and sort of set the pace
1: great yeah. so th- thanks John and, and yeah it has been quite a journey. You know, look, thinking back to those early days in 2001, um, you know, working for a uh, SaaS business before it was even really called SaaS, uh, you know, on how we ran subscriptions uh, and sold our software. Uh, and, but, but the companies were growing really fast, uh, you know, and you would, we were all grown organically. Uh, but then you always tend to start growing by acquisition. Uh, so, you know, my experience in operations, was always making sure that we're aligning those resources correctly and they they, they you know we invest in, in the right areas to drive profitable growth um, and we will maximize our profitable growth maximize growth um, and I, and I think what we've always found was that there's 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 challenges whenever you try to manage measure sales performance and we've had to learn over the years absolutely and i I think we've always just fallen back on how we how we look at Quota attainment as our, as our performance metric. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I've always struggled with that because of the, how unstable that can be because everyone sets their quotas differently. Even within the same company, the, the methodologies can change from region to region, which makes it very difficult to then benchmark the benchmark sales organizations. And that was my experience but back in you know, early 2000, as, um, as we grew, you know, I was at a company called WebSense and we grew very fast organically, um, and then we started to grow by acquisition. And those those challenges were there. It was, it was back then when the challenges started, but, but at that time room, it was really about growth at all costs. Um, and that continued. you know as I, I, we went into you know began 2010, um, it even started to really accelerate then and And then it was, well, how fast can we grow, and how many salespeople can we get on board uh, for us to get to the number? So, when you start to look at being a bit more efficient, um, those efficiency calculations, which we know today and we can talk about later, you know, would, would, would find themselves more on the sidelines. So, as a rev ops leader um, or you know, sales operations leader, um, you're dealing with a number of problems here because what you're trying to do is make sure we get to the numbers um, at, at this really hyper growth uh, rate, um, but at the same time, um, you need to make sure that you're going to, you know, uh, uh, have enough people on board to be able to to, to do that. Um, and so that's where this problem starts to occur, where you start to, uh, you start over hiring. And I, you know, hands up, I was part of the problem. Um, and you know, as we've now moved into a new decade, well, you know, three years into it now in 2023, now or the beginning, um, uh, you know, the world changed. It, it's now about efficiency and profit. So the way we've done things uh, for the last two decades has to change. Um, And it shouldn't have changed before, absolutely. Um, The market wasn't prepared, wasn't ready for it. um, And therefore, but now now it has. The, The lights have come on and we've got to be far more efficient and we've got to be you know, really starting to think about how we produce revenue efficient capacity plans. Um, and to your point, John and Andrew, what you are saying earlier about ethical hiring and making sure we do accurate plans um, so that we don't end up in the, the situations that we read about every day, which is really frustrating.
2: Hey, Verne, you said something interesting. You said, I was part of the problem. What was the problem or what is the problem?
1: So, so I think it's you know the, the pressure you know for any rev ops or, or sales enablement leader, um, the the pressure you're under is, is pretty extreme because you you operationally got to make sure that you know daily tech it's such a tactical function um, uh, from day to day, uh, and you're making sure that you can get everything done. You know through through orders processed, you you're making sure the systems are running as as they should. You're making sure that the um, you know, the regions operating as they should in your teams and so forth, They're just the lists go on and on of all the things that you've got to do. But then you've got this whole strategic part to it where you've got to think about, okay, so how are we going to get to the plan by the end of the year or or, or the future years? How am I, well, What's that going to look like as I start to do capacity planning? Um, so what you tend to do is when you build your models, um, there's a lot of guesswork that happens because there's there's so much there's so many data movements that are happening. So when you start to produce these, these, these capacity plans, um, there's, there's, there's guesswork um, and uh, because of the lack of technologies that, that, that are in the space. Uh, so with that, you've, you've, got to, you've got to put some assumptions in there. And what we know about assumptions is we don't always get those right. So what I tended to do, for example, is I used to overhire by about 10% because I knew I needed that cover uh, just to cover any guesswork or assumptions that I'd baked into the model that wouldn't pan out. Um, and that's what I mean by uh, I was part of the problem. Um, and, and generally, yes, you can manage by attrition and, and, and so forth, or you can push some heads out. But, but when we're in this this world of growth at all costs, you're going to bring everyone on that you can, um, because you've also got stretch goals. We all know about the stretch goals. So, yes, you've got your plan, but then you've got your stretch. So... And this is what I what I mean by the pressure that are the revOps and, and sales operations leaders under it, it is it really a mess because it, it doesn't stop the day-to-day tactical work you've got to do the strategic piece that you need to do and then you got to make sure that you you know you're you're, you're hitting the numbers and uh, as best as you can and and trying to deal with all the the complexity of the data um, to to predict where you're going to land um so so yeah so, so that's that, that's what I mean by by the the um, uh, but you yeah, being part of the problem. Were,
2: were there any other situations as a as a operations leader or a rev ops leader where you were pressured by different parts of the business to overhire by that ten percent? I mean, surely it wasn't it wasn't only your decision to overhire by that percentage.
1: Well, well I, I think when you you know within a sales organization, it, it, it's it, it's the CRO and the revops. I mean, you're responsible for the sales organization. Um, it's your decisions that you're gonna you you, you put down I mean yes the the, the the planning exercise you go through and that's why it is a two to three month planning exercise every year um and that's also one of our you know that's one of the issues that that, that just needs to stop. I mean planning should just be a continuous process but we can talk about that later um, but but yes, the plan does get agreed by everyone and it does agree get agreed by finance but what you do tend to find is that finance, does give some flexibility saying, hey, look, what, what do you need from a resource standpoint to be able to get to these numbers? The issue is that those numbers aren't always set by the sales organization or the finance team. Sometimes that will be driven from the top down uh, because there's certain targets that need to be reached for for the growth that's expected. Uh, and then that, that can be driven by, you know, shareholders or, or investors or, or, or so forth. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is the CRO and the the revoffs leader or sales ops leader uh to make sure that they put through put forward a plan that, that that will will help get to those goals or align the resources and you know and make sure that you make the right investment decisions so so i do think a lot of ownership sits with them um but but absolutely there is pressure that does come from from other parts of the business um where sometimes it's you know you, you sort of uh you're in a tricky position to to now reach these numbers that you just know from a capacity standpoint that you're just not going to be able to do it unless you unless you hire more people that will be less productive, but at least you can get there.
0: Question for you, Werner. You mentioned that the the world has changed now and a new process, a new way of thinking is required. What what caused that change? What is that change? Is it the the end of growth at all costs and now a shift towards profitability? And what was the the genesis of that change?
1: Yeah, so I, look, I, I think it, it was always going to come, it just it just came much faster for, you know, what, what what's happened in the last year and a half with, with all the, the the changes, and um, I I think it's I think we all knew that we needed to be more efficient on how we looked at at our sales teams, um, and and the the sheer cost of what, what it costs to operate these you know sales organisations. Um, I, I do think that there's there's just a lack of of, of technology and and sometimes uh, understanding of of what metrics to actually look at to drive efficiency. Um, so they're there, but, but in hypergrowth, efficiency finds itself on the sidelines. So if you start talking about efficiency, you go, oh, well that's going to slow down my growth. Well, it, it does because of the complexity of of doing these calculations. If there's technology in place, well, well then you know, it, it won't slow things down. We can make better investment decisions. We can be smarter with the data we're looking at and what it actually means. Um, so, so I, I, I think it was bound to happen. I think it's just been accelerated with, with what's happened in the last year and a half. And also, you know, what's, what's been the main driver behind that is, it's, it's you know, money is not cheap anymore. So we do need to be far more careful about what, where we, where we spend in that money. Um and and that's driving this efficiency piece. So and and, and also look at shells and investors now, they're looking for profitability too. You know, we we you know, I think we've come from twenty years where we just spent everything we've got just to get that growth. Um, the efficiency was on the sidelines and 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 that's also come to light. I mean, the, you know, at the end of the day, there's basic accounting here what you're going to bring in and what it's going to cost you and what's that return on investment and what was it a good investment or was was that decision right where we put put some sales people um, and if it wasn't did we make the changes to adjust it or if we saw the productivity uh, change did we adjust it um, we haven't tended to do that we haven't had that accuracy or, or that that visibility in, in into those type of that type of data uh, to then help with those decisions so I think it's a combination of things but yeah, you know, ultimately um it, it, it's it's we've we we've got to a place where um, the lights have come on and we we absolutely have to focus on this now.
2: Werner, are there any examples or stories from your experience that you could share with us about maybe some boardroom discussions where you were being pressured into maybe over hiring and you know you didn't think that that was a good idea?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean there's, there's always one that comes to light where um this is yeah you know, around 2012 13 where we were asked to it was an actually it was a, it was an international expansion strategy, um, and that strategy was to put a number of sales teams into the international market. Uh, so we were tasked with with making sure we we hire those salespeople for that strategy. Uh, but interestingly, when you would actually looked at the strategy and you said, "Okay, where's the data to support this?" It was more very much the the, the strategy was more the more the decision uh to expand internationally. And we I, I don't think enough detail had been spent on on what the data was actually showing. Uh so then we did, you know, there's an example of where we 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 went on a strategy, hired a bunch of salespeople, data wasn't there to support it, and unfortunately had to reverse that decision or you know, landed up cutting about half that sales team about six months later. So, so, yeah, there, there is a good example. Uh, I mean, there, there, are, there are many others where, you know, you can be given a number that you've got to hit quarter, you know, 50 million. Um, we know the capacity of the sales organization is probably only going to generate 44, 45, and you've got a 5 million gap. So, you're going into the year knowing that you've got a 5 million gap that you're going to have to close. So, you're going to do everything that you can to do it. That's why you start hiring maybe a bit more people than you need um, because then you don't mind that lower productivity. To make sure that you can, you know, at least cover close as much of that gap as you can. But look, there, there, there's lots of other pieces that go into it. There's the whole, you know, demand engine. You got to think about the marketing aspect to it. The, the, the you know, w- w- what's happening on the marketing side to drive um, the leads or the food to the sales team. Is that going to be there to support them and so on? So there the are more elements to it. But for me, those are two that come to mind. Um, where you know, it's been the difficult situations to be in and then and, and that really highlights the world of growth at all costs um, where the data is not there to support some of those strategy decisions that would that have been made in the past and I've been part of um, uh, to, to 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 deal with and um, um, and to do the best we can um, and yeah, again reach those numbers
0: you make a good point about the, the marketing engine and creating that demand and John Scott and I have all been on the receiving end of ill-planned capacity planning models where we're being asked to hire salespeople that we, in our hearts, don't really want to hire because we're taking them out of a job where they might already be successful and convincing them to come to, to a company we're at, and we didn't have the confidence that they would be successful. And, and one of the, the the data points that we would use is well, how is marketing going to feed these people? How are they going to get leads? How is there enough demand for them? And we never really got any great answers about that. But how would you measure marketing's ability or future ability to supply enough demand to the, the future salespeople in your, in your planning model? How would you do that?
1: Yeah. And, and this is, I mean, it's the demand funnel that, and look, every business is going to be different. So then they, have, they each have their own demand funnels of how they look at what the inbound engines do in versus the outbound. Um, does it, it is, is marketing responsible, not just for inbound, do they also have outbound or does outbound sit with, with sales predominantly and the SDR team uh, to then help the, the quote of reps and so on. So um, I think, so, you know, each organization is, is different. Um, I, I think what, what does need to, to change and what is changing now is we've got to be far more um, detailed on how we do these capacity plans because capacity plan tended to in the past be done by quota attainment, right? So I've got 100 salespeople, they hit 90% of their their, their quotas is on, on average. Therefore, if I take that forward into the future, then I can, you know, adjust it maybe slightly. I want a 10% improvement in productivity. I land back up at 100. So, so I, you know, I, I can then, I, I get a sense of how many salespeople I then need to hit the number. But really, that's not how a capacity planning needs to be done anyway. I mean, so it's not how it's done at all. Well, what there's, there's, there's complex calculations that need to happen in the background that are looking at things like what's the actual productivity of the sales team today? What's their return on investment? What's, what's the lead volumes that have gone in um, and, and, um, uh, to all the campaigns that have been created to generate that productivity? Um, and how much more would we need of that to get to a certain capacity in the future? So those the, And those, those calculations are all really complex. And this is why it's found itself on the sidelines. So unless you've got you know unlimited resources that you can put a number of analysts on to go crunch all these numbers every week for you, um, it's really difficult. So the priorities come in and the priorities change. So so you you know you focus on what you've got to on the priorities and therefore this this goes to the sidelines. So but but the future now of capacity planning is looking at all this, is looking across that demand funnel. And then, and we need to also forget this that it's sales and marketing. It's not, it's the demand funnel that's good, that's driving the productivity at the end of it. And what are the inputs in that you need to be able to measure it across the board?
0: Werner, typically the overhiring only ever happens on the sales side as a as a solution to uh, revenue shortfalls. You never hear about companies overhiring on customer success or customer support or service delivery. Can you talk about how how dangerous it can be if you you overhire on the sales side, even if you are successful in quota achievement when you don't have the required customer success people to pick up the deals at the end.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, this just comes to you know customer success, right? We know if you drive adoption with the customer, the customer is going to renew um, at, at, at a far greater level or, or, or rate uh, than if you don't. So, if you if you've got all this demand that you've or sales that you've generated, and that assumes that you know much higher productivity and you don't have the customer success teams in place to pick that all up and support the customer, well, we know you, you, you're generally going to have a, a much lower renewal rate. So, uh, And then the dates is there. Well, it, 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 that's crystal clear. And I think there's, there's the balance between um, these organizations and the capacity. Again, you back it to capacity planning on how this is all accurately planned for. And I think you know it's something we hadn't spoken about earlier. If we think about why this is happening more in sales, is that we we just we're not looking at the right metrics and the data, the complexity of the, these 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 uh, data points that you need to look at to do accurate capacity plans to get your sales all right. Uh, and if we do that, then we'll have revenue efficient capacity plans. Tied to that is well, then how many customer success teams do we, or people do we need to then support that based on the demand we see? And it's all about forward-looking, right? So when, when we do capacity plans, it's all done in spreadsheets today. Um, it's crazy to think that, but it is. Um, it's very rare that you've, you, you've got an organization, sales organization today, that's got systems uh, or technologies in place um, that can do this unless they've spent a lot of time and effort building very complex um, models um, that they've intended to automate. Um, so, so because of that, for us to try and get our ratios right makes things very difficult. And I wouldn't just stop with customers, customer success and the support, well, you mentioned the support, but also your sales engineers, right? How many do you need there? And also your SDRs. What's the ratio? What's the ideal ratio? Well, if we actually could monitor our productivity in real time, we could actually see, well, if we added more sales uh, sales development um, teams or people, did that increase productivity or not of the current sales organization? Or did we? Or do we need to drop? Could we drop some? Because it's not working. Same on the sales engineer side. Um, Do we see a drop in uh, average deal size or are we seeing deals close faster when there's an SE involved? All that data needs to be tracked. But right now to do that all, it's very manual. Um, And hence why these capacity plans across the sales organization are, are really difficult to make sure that you get the balances all right. Um, and that, that's when you've got a really smooth or, or operating organisation that are talking, and you know could the cross collaboration works well between all these departments. And we know that's not always the case. So you can imagine what it must be like for an organisation where you, you you know your your sales team's doing their own thing, marketing's doing their own, and then the the, the customer success or support teams are doing their own thing as well. Um, it, it's, you can imagine how disjointed things are then when it comes to capacity planning and making sure you've got your ratios right.
0: I want to ask a bit more about the data and the metrics that, and the complex calculations that you mentioned. I've seen my share of really complex sales modeling spreadsheets in my time, and they look like they cover a lot of the the, the inputs into it: the leads that we get, the number of salespeople, the rep per the productivity by rep per quarter. What's missing in those calculations in the spreadsheets that cause this gap, this blindness?
1: Uh, you said it in the question, it's the spreadsheets. Um, we know they're error-prone. We know they're not real-time. And therefore, by the time you've done all your calculations, the data's out of date. But the decisions you're making is on data that's actually out of date. Um, even if you can get them to somewhat be, re- be, be real-time, those, the, the, the spreadsheets tend to be working on, on, on at a point in time. You're not seeing the, the, the calculation by multidimensional that you can just slice and dice it um, and get to root cause analysis of where your productivity is coming, or, or coming from or where your return on investment is coming from. Or if I made a decision, do I see that the next day or, or what impact that had? Or do I see all those calculations, how they automatically feed my capacity planning model? That means if I can go put, I'm going to hire a head, you know, in April or May, um, what is the impact of doing that? Or if I move that head from May to to further down the line, what's the impact? In all these models that we've got in Excel or, or these spreadsheets that we've built over time, when you, you're, not, you're not able to see that the, the, you don't have that, the, the, the speed there, you don't have the agility um, because of the, all the, the data pools that you need to do to be able to get it to work properly. Uh, So that that's really one of the one one issues. And also, there's also an educational piece to this as well. If you think about the the RevOps teams, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have started in 2001 in a a tech company that was pretty much a startup that grew really fast. And um, I got to experience all these challenges, and uh, that was just after you know the, the dot com crash, and then we had two thousand and eight. Happen we had another crash. So, so I, I got the fortune of, of seeing the growth, then having to see this downside of where I had to be efficient, uh, then see growth again, then be efficient, um, and then yet again it's happened again. So, so, so with that. Um, you've, you've, you, there's experience where you know that I, I need to really look at this efficiency pieces and I need to build it into my models that then feed my capacity planning. Um, but but so, so the second part of the answer on, on, this, on your question was those efficiency calculations like sales productivity are actually very complex to do because of all the data movements. You've got salespeople coming in, salespeople leaving, you've got salespeople changing roles and you can imagine the more salespeople you have, often this is now happening so to try capture all those changes in a spreadsheet in real time is very difficult as we know um but but you need to know what those the, the, the accurate sales productivity numbers are because that's going to help you with your your capacity plan we need to understand the tenure of the sales team how, how 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 many how what's the tenure of a salesperson because they produce at a different productivity depending on how long they've been in the company so when you start building capacity planning models what does that look like in the future when you've got to fast forward everything? And then we've got the return on investment, right? So how often do we actually look at the ROI? Because I know my, my 20 years, it, it was really difficult just to get the ROI calculation because finance would have the numbers um, and the, 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 it wasn't always really synced up with what we're seeing on sales. Uh, so therefore, I couldn't actually see what my return on investment was unless we ran it once a quarter. Well, that doesn't help. Um, we, we should be looking at return on investment daily. It should be real-time to see because then that's when we can see the decisions we make and the impact we make. And if our return on investment starting to drop, well, then why would we go put another five people into that sales team or into that, 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 that region? Um, we, we should be watching that because if sales productivity is dropping, you can then start to work back where is it coming from. Um, and back to your earlier questions, right? What's happening in the demand funnel? was there enough leads that were coming through? Is something, is something further up funnel that's causing this issue? But if we don't see it and we can't see all this data, well, then what do we do? We go hire those five people and put them into the team.
2: Yeah, this is all so good because like we come at it from the sales side, and like we always knew that there was maybe something wrong. So when you and I met and you started to tell me the problem that you're you are seeking to solve with your own platform at uh, at Lateef um, all of the things that you're saying now is the is the background and the context is, is to what gets you up in the morning, right? The problem that you are looking to solve once and for all. And what's going through my mind is as organizations throttled up growth, right? They didn't care that quota attainment was so low. They just wanted the growth and they were okay to pay for it. But now that that's not okay, they're dialing down the growth, the heads go away and now they're going to go to efficiency. And that makes it, you know, in some sense, it makes sense. But from where I sit anyway, I don't know what, uh, what, uh, what Andrew thinks, but it's like, did that ever have to happen in, in the first place? Like, why couldn't there just be an efficiency calculation or an efficiency metric in your organization that allowed you to add and, and scale ethically rather than this,
0: what seems to be like very on or off. Because people couldn't agree on what contributed to Productivity. Renner mentioned that it, you have to go beyond just the models of how many, how much dollars per head, how long was that person in in that territory? Did they switch territories? There are so many layers to the data, so many questions to ask that I don't think people have the patience or the skills in a in a capacity planning session to go through all of the different. Attributes that will will contribute to productivity they just they just can't do it, so they agree on a shortcut they agree on a heuristic a shortcut what's well, an easy answer well let's take let's take total revenue, divide by reps we'll even make it some grading for level of ramping, but they don't take into account the industry, the territory, how long in the territory right how much time they had to develop that territory before moving they don't take an, into account any of that, so no one can agree. On what the correct inputs are, it should be no surprise that what comes out is is not realistic.
2: Vernu, where do most companies get quota setting wrong, and how can your organization help with that?
1: Yeah, so I think quotas is always it's always a, a tricky one. You know, every organization does their their quota methodology is different. I mean, in organizations where the quota methodology has been different by region, even though the same products are being sold, which is Pretty scary, but it happened. Um, and then we, you know, as you know, John, you know, the current percentage of people hitting their quotas is, is around, yeah, I think 56%, you know, in, in and around that point. And I, I just, I really struggle with how, how do we then use quotas to, to measure performance or what's even more scary? How do we, why are we using quota attainment to then do planning? Um, just given the variables that goes into setting quotas, they they they're just it, it, you know there's just so many, um, and it's it's just unstable. So what you know when we we fall back on, and you've heard me talk a lot about productivity, but but, but I do it because because when you look at the productivity of what a sales person actually produces on average, um, or or across dimensions, you've got a stable metric. Um, So so just to give you an example is if you if you're going to be setting you know new business quotas that 40k per person, but the team is actually only generating 15k per person. There's a pretty big gap between what the quotas are being set at versus what the actual productivity of the, of that the, the, on average what, the, what what the team can actually deliver. So you know, I just see a world in the future where where really quotas should be a uh, um, driven off off the productivity of the organization, so that we get a bit more. St- create more of a stable quota world um than, than how it's been done today and and then you know where Lative can help with that is that we calculate productivity in real time so by doing that now you can get a sense of what the sales teams actually produce or the individuals produce on on, on average therefore my quotas should really be be set off that um and and the comp plan to then follow off that as well um on, on how we then drive that drive performance because it doesn't help having, for me, in the worlds I've come from, having one or two people be over, you know, go way over and hit their one thirty or one forty percent, and then you have this middle that 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 just 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 won't get to uh, their hundred percent or get those accelerators. Um, and it's it's very, you know, I think I think this just all needs to change. It's it's already in the data: fifty six percent of people hit quotas. So so why do we continue to have this to take this problem that we know and bring it into every year um, that, that you know, certainly I've been doing for many years. Um, it just needs to to stop. We need to look at productivity and the quota should be driven off productivity.
2: Why don't you tell us a little bit about your company and the problem that you are trying to solve uniquely, how you're doing it.
1: Uh, so we really, you know, we found it later out of this frustration of not really being able to measure sales teams, true contribution. Um, and, it's, it's everything that we've just discussed. It, it's this 20-plus years of, of pain that we've gone through, that I've gone through on, and my teams have gone through on, on trying to make sure that we build capacity plans and, and drive sales teams to be uh, effective and efficient um, and, and hit the numbers overall, right? But, but, but do it in a cost-effective way. Um, and it's been painful for us to get there. Um, and I, I think we just got to a point um, my co-founder myself, Lara, you know, uh, you know, a year, a year and a half ago now, I said that there needs to be a technology in place to be able to do this because the idea of the money that we spend in operations and enablement, and to not know if we increase productivity or not, did we? Are we? Did we build an, um, an accurate capacity plan that, that actually allowed us to to model out before we get into the uh, the future year? Um, to then find out that we've got a gap, which happened to me every single year. Every single year, we build the, we spend the two, three months in, in annual planning. Um, everything was fine. Then all the changes would happen. Well, I'm going to change quotas here. Yeah, I'm going to do this. And then we couldn't benchmark the sales organization properly. Then we'd get to, um, get to Q2, and we've got a gap because some hit counts have been pushed to the back half of the year. That wasn't modeled correctly. Finance were doing their own model that was different to RevOps. And it was just going, this, this needs to change. The, 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 and I think what what really the tipping point start, started to come on why, why we really did this is that people get impacted by this you've got people that get let go because of bad planning and for me it's not just those people it's the people and their families and it was like we need to start producing first of all we need to start being revenue efficient and we start we need to be start producing revenue efficient capacity plans and it's funny this this later idea this wasn't born you know this idea didn't just come a year year and a half ago when we we started the company um, it was in 2014 when when I really originally wrote this all down and and had the first slide deck of, of how can we automate this calculation of productivity because it's so complex. Um, how do we start to, to to look at return on investments and link sales and finance together? How do we then take that data and feed that into a capacity plan model so that we can we can help organisations understand what the capacity is going to be of the sales organisation now and in the future uh, and make the right decisions. So, so, and, and 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 also, when we do make a decision, we can see it in real time, so that we we can move out of these spreadsheets. We can move out of this annual planning exercise. It should just all happen in real time. And not only that, for you as sales leaders, you can look at it and say, right, if I add this person, this is what's going to look. It's going to look like, or or, or actually just give you visibility that hey, my productivity's dropping, or my return on investment's dropping in my new business team in a specific place. Not, 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 not that I just see data on a global level. Um, it needs to be very specific to, and, and be multidimensional. Um, so, so with all of that, um, it's just taken a long time to, to find um, someone, my, my co-founder, that could actually understand this and then see how we could build it. Um, and that's, that's, and we figured out that yes, we can do this. It's, it's, it's been very hard. It's, it's been a hard journey to get us to where we are today, but, but we, we feel very strongly that, that organizations do need to be more revenue efficient. And we, we absolutely have to produce revenue efficient sales capacity plans. Um, and that's what we're doing here at Later.
2: That is so awesome to hear. And I love what you said. And this is, this is what ties the rally call and their listeners together is that it has an effect on people, people is the output right the negative output of a bad plan and that sucks so when i when i met you and i was listening to what you were doing like you you remember i be i i I don't think i've been any more passionate about an idea in tech in years and I, i i this is why i'm having you and andrew and i are having you on the show is that you can share that someone in in with your experience and with your dedication is actually going out to solve this problem so that we can start to see quota achievement not at 56 percent, but at 80 or 90 or 100 so we're putting accurate plans in place so people can perform not be like maybe quote-unquote experiments where we're going to drive growth and if it doesn't happen we're going to let these people uh, go but I just wanted to thank you for your um, for your time today. I love what you're doing. I think you're solving a massive problem in the tech industry. And I think your product, as I've seen it, I think you guys are gonna knock it out of the park.
0: Yeah, I totally echo that, John. Some of the worst feelings that I've ever had as a sales manager are being asked to hire people that I don't feel confident can be successful. Irrespective of who they are, I just don't believe that the position is there. So revenue efficiency, that's great, and I know there's going to be a bigger focus on that in the future. For me, the biggest issue is is the ethical and moral issue of convincing someone to leave a a job where they are successful to take one where it's much riskier than you're communicating it is, and you're under pr- tremendous pressure to fill that job and and the the picture of the future that you're painting burner I, I love it it's like i've had the, i've had the I've had the luxury of working at a company with fantastic Sales forecasting, analytics, sales analytics about what is happening today with the pipeline. Where did it come from? What's the likelihood of closing? And and to be able to do that really accurately. And that was at Business Objects, at a, a, a business intelligence company that specialized in making software for one of the for that purpose. And what I what I imagine the world could be like with the capabilities that Later brings is the real-time productivity dashboard of what makes a salesperson successful. What are the inputs that make a salesperson successful? What are the activities? What are the behaviors? Because that's a huge question mark. Whenever we look at someone's performance, well, was it their skills? Was it the territory? Was it the timing? What what really was the reason they were successful? It's so hard to get, and I think that contributes to the planning problem. So I am excited for the world that you've described where we have real-time access to sales productivity data and are able to predict a better future.
2: It's a great point because how many times have we been in the position, Andrew, where the, the performance is X and then next year the goal is the same number? Like, so now we can, I guess what what Werner is talking about is refereeing with data to say, no, your quotas should be this because this is the efficiency of your sales team or this plus 10% to get them to stretch, not a pie in the sky number that a spreadsheet says. Do I, did I capture that right? Yes.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Because your your quotas are set from a methodology um, that is, can, there is no standard from one organization to the next. If you're acquiring a business and you, how was, you know, it's the first question, well, how would you set quotas? Well, we did this and we did that. Well, what my experience with quotas is, is you, you see you have a standard methodology w- within your company, um, but then there can be a negotiation done by the VP of sales in APAC with the CRO, and, the, you've got to drop the, and you've got to drop the quotas. So you've got to drop the quotas. And once I've done that, now how can I compare the APAC team with the AMIA or North American team? Um, or vice versa. Maybe there was a drop in the meal or a drop in North America. So now you got apples and oranges. So 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 now and now I'm starting to compare sales teams against each other, but the, the methodology on how we got to it may have been the same at the start, but it's no longer the same. And also, it's not just the, at the start of the year when that happens. It happens every month or every every quarter. Something happens and there's an adjustment or, or quotas need to be changed. Um, and I've we we've, we've just we've just again, it's just two decades of, of working in quotas. Um, and just going well. Why aren't we looking at productivity? Why are we looking at the sales productivity? What the sales team's doing, which is more, more, more accurate and stable, and it's the it, it's performance because that's actually what got delivered. And we use that to then help us uh, w- with the quota methodology. Thank you, sir, so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you very much, Andrew and John. It's uh, it's been an honor to be on the show and and uh, have, get the opportunity to talk and and um, just just really, you know think about you know, where, we, where we need to get to um, you know, in this tech industry with how we think about capacity and how we, how we get better at what we're doing. I
0: really enjoyed this, Werner. You have a great weekend. If you like the
1: show, follow us on
2: LinkedIn. We're The Rally Call. Follow us on Spotify, on Apple. Share the word. Let's get it out. There's a sales revolution coming, and it's starting with The Rally Call.
0: produced by Scott Switzer.